This podcast series is brought to you by Elekanyani Ndlovu. For more details, visit elekanyani.com. My name is Elekanyani Ndlovu and welcome to Manifesto. Manifesto is about that which is tender and difficult, as well as that which is exciting and beautiful. August 9th, 2020, Manifesto was launched. And I remember that whole day, I just had this, this excitement about finally, finally launching Manifesto. What made me so excited was that in some way, Manifesto was going out to the world in a way that I had hoped it would, in a way that is not specialized or niche or specific to any topic. When you read up on what podcasts should be, one of the things that comes up a lot is that you must find a niche so that you find your target market, so that you you know who you're talking to. And that bothered me on a very fundamental level because I imagined I don't have a niche. I'm not a niche. I am just a woman. And I want to talk about things that I would talk about with my friends, things that engage me, bother me, excite me, make me curious. And so it was in being able to articulate what Manifesto is about and releasing that first episode, which I think it was about five minutes or so, five minutes of saying what Manifesto is. And Manifesto is us. Manifesto is what we created to be. And Manifesto is who we are today. It's the last episode of this season's Manifesto. How do I close this amazing chapter and plan for the second season and to just think creatively around what I want to do next with Manifesto? I actually want to talk about gratitude and how grateful I am to have had these 18 episodes. And the end of the season, the recording of this episode happens in the month of November. And the month of November for me is an interesting one. I have a very close friend and a brother whose birthdays are in November, so it is filled with celebration and excitement and the joy of life and birth. And yet at the same time, November 24th, 2016, I lost a friend. And so November for me is always a time of reflection, is always a time of of thinking about where I am in life, on the basis that I get to be here. And part of what I've been thinking about is that loss in this month. One of our friends called me while I was at work and 
she delivered the news. And I remember on that day, I had just come back from a board meeting in Pretoria and I had missed calls on my way back because I had been driving, so I didn't pick up any of the calls. And somehow I managed to get into the office, settle down, and just before I even see any calls, a call comes in. A friend of mine calls and she says to me, are you sitting? I'm like, I mean, I'm standing, but what's that got to do with anything? And then she says, sit down. And then I start getting agitated on some, no, I'm not going to sit down. Just say what you're calling me about. And then she delivers the news. And I just walked out of the office wailing into the boardroom. And I just fell on the floor. And in slow motion, I could see everybody running towards this boardroom because it was glass and I could see them running towards the boardroom to come find out what's going on. And in that moment, I could feel myself almost separate from myself and look at me from above me, almost reminding me to just not die at that time, at that moment. And yeah, it was just, it was just a lot. Friends came and in my mind, I just, I didn't understand why she died because I was like, but she has a 10 month old baby. Mothers with 10 month old babies shouldn't die because what's supposed to happen to their children but mothers with 10 month old babies die and it was the journey of that trying to recover from that loss that that I said to myself you get to be here and she doesn't so what are you going to do about it about your being here in Varsity, I read the book Veronica Decides to Die. And in that book, Veronica is bored with life. And the monotony of life is just too much for her and the repetition of life. And so she decides she pretty much knows what is going to happen and what this is all about and how it's all gonna pan out so instead of going through the motions she's actually gonna save herself the bottom and kill herself and as she tries to figure out a reason as to why she's killing herself she decides she's gonna say she's killing herself because nobody knows the little town where she lives as the reason because she was like well these people that are staying behind will probably want to know the reason for the suicide. So let me tell my parents, it's just the frustration of living in a small town that nobody knows about, a small country that nobody knows about. But 
fundamentally she just felt that life is just too monotonous and she would rather than just be dead and save herself the boredom. But she doesn't die and instead she actually ends up in a mental institution with really crazy people. During her stay there, Veronica realizes that actually she has nothing to lose and therefore she's going to do what she wants and say what she wants and be who she really wants to be without worrying about what other people think of her because after all, she is a mental patient and she is in a mental institution so chances are no one will criticize her. And so because of this newfound freedom of this new permission that she's given herself to be, she then experiences a range of emotions and feelings and she experiences love, she experiences hatred, she experiences life. While that was happening, one of the psychiatrists had decided to do this experiment to see if you can shock someone into wanting to live by convincing them that they're about to die. And so after having really had the taste of life and what life could be, Veronica doesn't want to die. And for years, we giggled about this book because something would happen and life, as sometimes it happens, would be an anticlimax and you'll just be like, Ugh, you know what, I understand why Veronica decided to die. Meaning, I totally get her level of boredom and frustration at the monotony of life. And we would use that loosely because, yeah, Veronica articulated how boring life can really get. And it was in 2016 that death was imminent for me when my friend died and she died and left a 10-month-old baby and suddenly I realized it could have been me, it could be any of us and in fact death is there all the time and yet we go through life assuming we have tomorrow and after months of nights of crying and a heaviness I couldn't carry and a heart that wanted to jump out of my body from just sheer sorrow. One day I was like, I have to live. I have to live. And for the first time, I didn't mean I have to exist and breathe and be here. I said, I have to live. I get to be here, so I choose life and I choose to live. For the first time, Veronica's story had a completely different meaning for me because death was imminent and I wanted to experience me, love, all of it because I get to be here. And she doesn't. The openness to doing this podcast and, and to sharing who I am 
is part of choosing to live because I get to be here and the work to try and figure out who I am and what's possible and what my contribution to this world is to work on my relationships to live my life by design and choose and decide what it is I want who I am and what I want to experience is because I choose to live because I get to be here make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am for the longest time I never understood what that meant and all it means is that if you know that death is imminent you will want to live and so the assumption that you have tomorrow is a massive one so while you are here because you get to be here make the most of this time live i'm grateful that i get to be here truly grateful and i think about her a lot and every time i think about her i choose to live and every time i choose to live i open myself up to possibilities to experiences to love to love to truly love to truly love myself to truly love others to truly love i'm grateful that you are listening to this i'm grateful that there are people who bother to give me feedback I'm grateful that I have people dedicated to working with me on this. I am grateful for life. I'm grateful for it all. I'm grateful that I get to be here and I choose life. So, on this 18th episode of season 1 of Manifesto, I dedicate the season to Rachel Zanele Rapote and I would like to share the eulogy I read out at her memorial service. I share this with the hope that or the need and the desire to talk about her, to share who she was, who she was to me, who she was in this world would be filled to some extent. And so Rachel Zanele Nokaya Rapote was a blend of beauty. If I asked everyone to talk about her, the words I would hear would be strength, strong, titan, steel, because she was so so strong, so resilient and determined. But behind that strength and an engaging force that you had to reckon with was a core which i describe as truly african zanele embodied what i understand as african she loved african and she believed in african and to her african meant humility ubuntu and humility was the thread that connected her so deeply to each person that she came across she had an abundance of humility 
It cut across all spheres of her life, from work to gym to home. I remember when she became partner at PwC and she had to talk to how they will expand to the rest of Africa. And she said to me, the only way to do this is if we take the time to understand each culture and truly see the people. She told me of the work she did in Zambia and Zimbabwe and how simply seeing someone and showing humility makes the rest of the professional interaction easier. She led from a place of humility and service, a true African leader. This should not only inspire us, but it should be celebrated. It is this leader in her that inspired co-founding Dirasan, shaping lives, changing paradigms, and serving children, acknowledging their potential, and therefore creating a legacy of knowledge. She lived a life of significance and influenced her environment in a way that benefited others. Yet, there is no bigger significance than being significant in the lives of the people in one's life. Zanele had the ability to touch the lives of everyone in her life, to serve, to give, to love, to be there fully and fully present, to walk the extra mile with you and for you and to be everyone's go-to person, to connect people and to be connected to people. This girl had a lot of friends and these friends come packaged in groups. I'm a part of a high school group that of course, like all her other groups, deems itself the A-team in her life. And as a group of friends, we always found it interesting how vastly different all her groups of friends were. We are all so different that you wonder how she is friends with all of us. But she was. Over time, I came to understand that there was no magic, but a core belief in humility and an intentional way of life that valued others. She lived through her heart. She would give even when it meant being left with nothing. She was loyal. Once you are Team Rachel, you knew that she's got you. Nje. A true blend of beauty. Because with all that humility and a generous heart, she was a dancing machine. She danced and she loved it. I think it's her love for dancing that influenced her love for aerobics. She danced. Friday the 18th of November 2016, a few days before she left us, we had a high school reunion to randomly celebrate 20 years since we all met in grade 8 or standard 6. We barely spoke. We danced. She loved music. The place where her humility flowed is the same place where her fun spirit flowed from. She was fun, the life of an occasion, the energy that would sustain us until the music stopped. A true blend of beauty, the authentic servant leader, a titan, people loving, super friend, fun, formal suffering, dancing and aerobics machine was also a daughter, a sister, a wife, a mom, 
Her family was her everything. She loved Mongezi unconditionally. She even turned into a biker chick, Lady J. She would give her heart for them. My comfort is holding on to the thought that where she is, she is with both her dads and Asanda. Three people she loved so dearly and lost and yet continued to be filled with life despite it all. The clarity of a positive future, a progressive future, her optimism, her faith in God and a sense of self-awareness define her resilience and determination that surpassed all circumstances. I have always admired that about you, my friend. You loved life. We will all miss how things could not fall apart when you are around because you stepped in and took charge no matter what. We will miss the simple, straightforward talk, Nje. We will miss how you filled the room and how full in of yourself you were. You overflowed with love and a contagious energy. You loved life. I will miss you. I will miss how much you loved me in a way that I understood and I could perceive. I love you in all the ways I have told you before and much more. Unforgettable, you will always live in us. Although it's been 20 years, our journey had not even begun. We had so many plans, our children to raise, so much to do together, so much. But you loved life. You lived life. So there should be no sorrow in your departing. A true blend of beauty you are. A true blend of beauty. And so I continue to choose life. And I'm grateful that I get to be here. Until next season, I wish you and your families a happy, happy festive season. And I know it's been a difficult year. And I know that some families have lost family members to the virus and to various other things that go on as life happens. But if you get to be here, be here, be here and choose life. I continue to choose life and fix my thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Until next season, goodbye and God bless. I would love to hear from you. Please share your thoughts, ideas and experiences with me on edenlovu.com or send an email to womanifesto at edenlovu.com. Thank you.